Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. In the cutthroat food and beverage industries, where a discouraging portion of new brands fail in their first two years, the Beatles' timeless tune, Love is All You Need, may seem a bit out of place. But for the founder of Bob's Red Mill, who recently celebrated his 89th birthday, love, for what he makes, who he works with, and who he serves, has been a cornerstone of his iconic company's longevity and success. When Bob Moore and his wife founded Bob's Red Mill 40 years ago in 1978, it was partly inspired by their love for each other and their desire to live a long, healthy life together and to take the best care that they could of their three sons. To do this, they began eating the most nutritious food they could find, including whole grains. The operation was also inspired by Moore's romanticized view of an idyllic life as a stone mill operator, which he says comes from the book John Goff's Mill by George Woodbury, which Moore stumbled upon at his local library as a young man. Moore explains how the book changed the course of his life and led him to a career that he loves. George wrote the most wonderful, humorous, delightful book called John Goffey's Mill. It takes place over about 10 years of his life, and he, during that period of time, restored his family's mill. And I think one of the outstanding statements his first off, there was nothing like it anywhere. It had been uh, derelict for many years. And uh, he said when he began to make cornmeal, whole wheat flour, rye flour from the, yeah, on the stones, that people beat a pathway to his door. And, you know, after I read that book and I thought, by golly, if I could find a mill people might beat a pathway to my door, and I would have the most delightful life. You want to know something, Elizabeth? That's exactly what happened to me. I did find an old mill, and I did get it going. Unfortunately, after 10 years, it burned down, but such things happen. It allowed me, unbeknownst to myself, to be able to grow, which I have done. And the story of the whole thing really amounts to the fact that I restored an old mill with old millstones. The public did beat a pathway to my door. Uh, I have been consistently doing this uh, for about 45 years. And I, if I had my life to live over, I promise you I would have started earlier because I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's but of course, love alone is not enough to run a fruitful business. Rather, Moore explains the success of Bob's Red Mill also hinged on several lessons he learned throughout his career, including knowing when to ask for help, to never stop learning, to take care of yourself, your customers, and your employees, and last but not least, be flexible in your approach to business while still maintaining your core values. One of the most pivotal lessons for creating and maintaining a successful business is one that Moore says he learned early on in his adventure as a miller, and that's recognizing when you need help and asking for it. 
when when we found this old mill, which uh, was was not in operation, it was vacant. And, it, and when I inquired about it, uh, they had they told me that they they were going to sell the property and the property they had determined was going to be worth more money without the old building. And that just really set me back because here I had finally found something that was, uh, have great meaning to me and that I thought could have great, uh, uh, sales value having this old building cause it looked pretty cool. And, uh, uh, I, I couldn't let it go by. So I worked, uh, some systems by my wife and I have always been reasonably frugal and uh, we were able to uh, purchase this mill. It wasn't a terrible amount of money. Uh, And uh, so we bought the, bought the property with the mill on it. So now it became mine and they couldn't tear it down. And uh, I had met uh, an old miller who had just retired in, uh, in uh, Muncie, Indiana, Dewey Sheets, that name wouldn't mean a thing to anybody, but he was just a charming old gentleman that had a great belief in, in stone mills. And I can still recall, I thought, well, I'm not going to do any of this unless I have some help. And I acquired a partner, his wife, my wife, of course, our money, and uh, we began, we took over this old building, opened it up, cleaned it all up, and began making whole wheat flour, cornmeal, packaging, working pretty hard. We eventually hired uh, one person to help us package and wait on, the, wait on people in the store, and it just kept growing. Another lesson that Moore says he learned early on was to learn everything he could about the milling business and the value of whole grains so that he could effectively do his job and promote his products. An ancillary lesson he learned many years later was to fund ongoing research to keep the spotlight on his products and to help his company stay relevant. I'm, I'm sitting here, Elizabeth, looking uh, across it at the end of my office, which is uh, bookshelves and absolutely filled with books on uh, the milling windmills and water mills and early American mills and uh, mills of America and on and on and on. They couldn't find enough names for, and the history of uh, corn milling, uh, four volumes. I acquired everything that seemed like it had anything at all to do with uh, with milling that would help me to understand what the old timers, when they were back uh, uh, milling with stone mills and stuff, and how it could help me. And they all helped. Every one of them helped. We had to figure out how to sharpen stones, how they were configured, and then we acquired books on baking, whole grain baking, and and uh, uh, Let's Get Well by Adele Davis. And in these books were little details, things that were important for the moment to help us to learn. We just never quit uh, in our own kitchens and uh, in the mill itself. I began working with uh, various uh, institutions, health institutions, hospitals, 
uh, we have a, a local uh, large, uh, it's the largest employer in uh, all of Oregon, uh, Oregon Health Sciences, uh, and uh, they have wonderful research going on with health and various things, and some of the things that we have been so free with, uh, some of the chemicals in our foods today and and some of the processing, such as uh, high fructose corn syrup and uh, and uh, the uh, hydrogenated oils and things, which do have a negative effect on our health. And uh, so I've had an opportunity to study these things, and I have uh, a file full of uh, of some of their research uh, that have been uh, published in JAMA and. Um, uh, so it's pretty, pretty established stuff, and I gave them. Uh, that's a whole other story of how I was able to do that. But I gave the uh, the health sciences a uh, a, a, a twenty five million dollar uh, benefit to uh, continue research in whole grain foods. And uh, and that has benefited a, a tremendous amount. We have brochures. We're coming out with a wonderful uh, a book as well as a um, pretty extensive brochure that should be out pretty quick. And some of these things that are just uh, uh, have been proven in these as whole grain consumption reduces mortality by 30%. The statement is made, people who eat whole grains have lower than average death rates. I, I don't really buy that because I think everybody dies. But it, it's supposed to call attention to the average death rate and the uh, death rate of those who have consistently eaten uh, uh, whole grains. And, and in my view, uh, and especially at, at my age, I've proceeded to try to prove it. Anyone who's an entrepreneur knows that starting and maintaining a business can be an all-encompassing process. And if you aren't careful, your own health will suffer. Something that Moore cautions against based in part on the belief that his seemingly boundless energy and ability to make it to the office most mornings before 6.30 a.m. stems from living a healthy life. Fortunately, I got married young enough. My wife began to put, I think, better food on the table, and I already told you about that. And so almost from the beginning, I started living a little better, I think. And uh, I was a smoker when I was in the Army, uh, and I quit, fortunately, because I don't think I'd be alive today. I didn't think that was any good for me. And... Uh, so, you know, I've made a couple decisions in my life that have, have uh, I haven't worked in industries that probably are unhealthy for, you know, your body and things like that. Uh, we've, we've been in a very healthy uh, world. I live in a pretty healthy world. And uh, we have one of the most outstanding operations one aspect that makes Bob's Red Mill so outstanding, to use Moore's word, is its dedication to also ensuring the health of its consumers. One way that it's doing this is by becoming certified by the Safe Quality Foods Institute. Uh, we're working on uh, 
some of the uh, important uh, SQF, safe quality foods, because we're, uh, we have worldwide distribution, it's becoming more and more important to have uh, departments within your company of testing, which we have, and of inspection. Whole, uh, we have 20 plus people whose main responsibility is to uh, follow routines of, of uh, clean and, uh, and inspection and whatnot and uh, keep us on the straight and narrow so that wherever we go around the world, uh, we can, um, we, we can uh, meet the specs of other countries. It's very important. And uh, we are determined to be acceptable uh, throughout the entire food industry and working very vigorously to uh, make that happen. I think we're only, uh, I think, two or three months now from what I think is almost total fulfillment of SQF, uh, Safe Quality Foods uh, Certification. And this is kind of the top. It's accepted all over the world. Just as important as taking care of yourself and your consumers is taking care of your employees, according to Moore. That's why he decided several years ago to create an employee stock ownership plan that would transfer partial ownership to the people who work for Bob's Red Mill and rewards them for their loyalty and hard work. Uh, the Bible, I have to tell you, Elizabeth, uh, when we come to the part about doing unto others as we would have them do unto us, it resonated so uh, clearly with me that when I became somewhat profitable, which happened in the first two or three years of our mill, I looked at the earnings that I had, and uh, and I had a few people, but I'm looking at a picture of us at about that time, about 12, uh, 12 people uh, at the time, and uh, I looked at the profits, and uh, I simply... Uh, figured a, a system where I could evaluate how many hours they worked in the past month, and, um, and then I took a portion of the profits, which were my money. That, it, profits went to the guy who founded the business, and, uh, and I gave that back to them in the form of a separate check. And then the next thing that happened was uh, one of my key workers, uh, Dave Geiter, who has been with me for 37 years, asked me if he if thought there was any way he could buy into the business. You know, I hadn't even thought about that. But when I talked to my attorneys and uh, tax consultants and things like that, the whole concept of selling my business to somebody and them buying it, it really triggered a lot of tax. You can't believe it. They, I have to pay tax on the money they give me. They have to pay tax on the value of the company. And by the time we got all through there, the company wasn't worth any more, but the government was because <laughs> we ended up paying it all out in taxes. And Tull, after a lot of research, uh, some actually a few years ago, I'm looking at a picture of myself when I was 81 years old, 
we spent 10 years researching uh, through uh, a couple of good attorneys uh, the program of ESOP, Employee Stock Ownership Plan, and, and it's, it's a government IRS-sanctioned uh, program, and it's not tax-free, but it, it comes close. And it makes it possible for me to give my company to my employees and give them ownership in the company, which I've done. When we started, uh, we, we, we started with about 33%. We just recently gave them uh, a portion that puts them at 59.7%. Uh, so uh, it's getting there, and I'm sure that before some period of time that they will have uh, received the full value of Bob's Red Mill in the form of ESOP employee stock in the company itself. There's a lot of, lot of money here, Elizabeth. And there's about, um, oh, I think there's something in the neighborhood of 15 to 18,000 uh, other companies in the United States that are sanctioned uh, ESOP uh, companies. And we go to regularly to uh, 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 seminars and things like that on the organization of an ESOP. And, and we're, we're pretty well organized. It's a, it's a good thing. So uh, we share up to 27% of the profits of the company with our employees as profit sharing. And then we eventually, I hope, uh, will share uh, full ownership in the company to our employees. So there's a lot of benefit in the company uh, doing well and certainly hard work, doing things we love, uh, and doing things that inspire us, which I don't know how you could not be with these old mills and the, uh, and the whole grains and the healthiness of it all. As consumers' perception and demand for whole grains has evolved, Moore says it's important that Bob's Red Mill has also evolved its product portfolio to reflect the foods that shoppers want. The newest thing that's on the radar right now is quinoa. And by new, I mean it's been several years, but it's, it's hot. And uh, most of our quinoa is grown in, in uh, South America. And, uh, yes, our buyers uh, and, and our, uh, our inspection people have all flown down there and spent two and three and four days uh, going over their processing and what so we know how they're doing it. That said, uh, millet is a wonderful grain that was uh, that still is a secondary leader grain in China. So they know a little something over there, and uh, and that's a pretty pretty hot grain. You can use millet. You can cook it just like rice, uh, and use it as a side dish. A little salt and pepper, a little butter on it, or something. And it has wonderful nutritional qualities. However, it hasn't got the sparkle that a lot of people like to put in their foods. And you could sparkle it with anything you want if you like a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff in it. But some of the most popular grains, as uh, you walk along looking through the windows into the mill room, you can see mills running quinoa, millet, sorghum flour, teff, bulgur, uh, farro, uh, amaranth, some of these lovely grains, and we do a lot of buckwheat. Oats, however, 
remain the company's best seller. Whether they're Bob's Reds Mills award-winning Irish oats or its steel-cut oats of various sizes. Oats just are so popular in, in many, many ways, and uh, they're very, they are high in fiber, they, they are high in, in the oils and things, uh, uh, germ, and, uh, and very high in uh, omega-3. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful grain, and I think an awful lot of people are seeing that, uh, that oats are a swell way to start today. Alan Moore says he has never eaten oats on the go. He realizes a lot of today's consumers want to, and his company is helping them do that by introducing several cups of grain that require consumers to simply add hot water, wait three minutes, and then enjoy. At the same time that Bob's Red Mill is flexible in what it produces, it does not compromise on its core values of offering nutritious food. I think one of the biggest things, uh, Elizabeth, is not to change it much. I don't think that uh, whole grains are going to go away. And uh, I've tried my best to keep uh, wholesome whole grains in our focus. Uh, and uh, I, I don't think it's been a mistake. I, I think we've, we've, because of that, we've kind of dominated that facet of the food and have done some surprising things when it comes to uh, taking readings on uh, our success in, in, the, in the marketing world, and we're, we're doing pretty well. Indeed, Bob's Red Mill is doing pretty well, and as Mork celebrates his 89th birthday, he fully expects that many more healthy and happy years to come for both himself, his family, and his business. With that, we've reached another end of the episode of Food Navigator USA Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.